How many of you have ever been guilty of some troubling behavior? Raise your hand because every one of you have. What is troubling behavior? Well, it can be defined in a thousand ways. Argumentative, vulgar, uh, physically or verbally abusive. If you're just straight out mean to people, if you're disruptive, troubling behavior, again, is... uh, it's kind of boundless. I don't think there's uh, uh, five easy definitions of it. Well, this evening tonight in Third John, which comes after what? Second John, which comes after First John. We're going to look at verse 9 and 10, two verses that uh, for many, many years have always intrigued me as I've read through the New Testament every year. And I would read these. I've never, ever preached on them. Uh, about a guy named Diotrephes. How many of you know it's a, he lives in Dubok, a little north of uh, uh, a strange name, but a very interesting character who gets some ugly print in the New Testament. Remember Third John, we almost certainly believe, was written by God through the Apostle John, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that guy who was one of Jesus' closest friends, the Apostle of Love is what he is called. It was probably written uh, 85 to 90 AD, toward the end of the first century. It was John was the longest living close disciple of Christ, and this was toward the end of the first century. A revelation was written about this time. John was probably in Ephesus riding down to Pergamum, to the church there, and uh, the leader who he was uh, writing to was a guy named Gaius, and he is describing some troubling behavior. Now, this is important. If you hear nothing else I say, please hear this. This is not targeted at you. Repeat that. Those of you who are paranoid, touch yourself and say, this is not targeted at me. Point at your neighbor and say, this is targeted at them. Sometimes when you preach passages like we're going to tonight, people go, oh, there's problems in the church or there's problems. The preacher's mad. Zero, none of that above. If there's big problems in the church, it hadn't got back to the pastoral office. It's in the youth office somewhere right now, bouncing around. And if you've been in there, that's a dangerous place to bounce around. Uh, so it's not targeted. This is, this is just, we're going through this book of the Bible. We planned on this four or five weeks ago. That was funny, wasn't it? And, uh, and so this is something we need to look at. We need to examine. And, and these, this behavior in this instance was showing up in the church. It can show up in the church. It shows up in families. It shows up on teams. You who run businesses are going to go, oh, my, does it show up at businesses? Does it show up at work? It's going to show up at Thanksgiving and Christmas for many of you around the, uh, around the turkey or around the, the Christmas tree. So let's examine this. Let's examine it, for first of all, for us. Do, what do we see in this stuff in us? And then, two, it is good to be able to identify this behavior as we work with other people. Number one, troubling behavior, they have to be the center of attention. They're at McDonald's, they have to be the Big Mac. If they're at Burger King, they have to be the Whopper. And at church, Diotrephes had to be the numero uno big shot. In verse 9 of 3 John, I wrote to the church. Now, we, this, may have been, this may have been second John he was talking about. But Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. Who was Diotrephes? Well, he probably was not a pastor. He was probably not that pastors can't be this problem person. 
but he was probably a prominent church leader uh, in one of the, the, the small house churches at this time, probably in a church near where Gaius was, not in his church, but near where he was. And it says he loves to be first. What does that phrase mean? It means he wants to be the preeminent one. He wants to be the numero uno. He's the guy who is ambitious at work, uh, at church, in your family. He is the, the lady or the person who is ambitious of the distinction. They, they want to be the head honcho. Now, I know you don't know anybody like that, so I'll go ahead and tell you that's troubling. When you're dealing with people who want to be first, that's troubling. How many of you with little gray hair would agree with that? Now, the problem is, is that that phenomenon is probably going to grow in our country. It's not getting less. Psychologists several years ago did big studies on... on um, Young people, and I'm not saying our young people here, I think we have wonderful young people at our church, but people, younger people, older high school and college people coming out in the workplace, and they did a narcissism. Narcissism is self-centered uh, to an extreme uh, study, and what they found out is that young people are growing up, and they're being more and more and more and more narcissistic. Probably a lot of that problem is our problem, adults, that that we have we've made the focus more on I, me, and my, instead of teaching our young people that, that the world is bigger uh, than just us. And so this is not a problem that was to the first century church that doesn't exist anymore. In fact, narcissism is probably getting worse. I want to ask you this evening, first let's examine yourself. Do you have a problem here? Does the world need to revolve around you? And when you're dealing with people, be it at work or be it, again, around the Christmas tree or the turkey, be it at church, the community, it's someone you need to be aware of when they desire to always be the center of attention. Here's number two. They're harmful with their tongues. They're harmful with their speech. This is a big shock, isn't it? Verse 10, so if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. He's talking about us is what John says. He's spreading stuff. Malicious is a bad word. It means what's painful, evil, or wicked. Diotrephes was wicked with his words. He hurt people. Literally, one commentator said this is a guy that went around talking nonsense about other people. Stuff that just wasn't, uh, you know, didn't even make sense. He was an accuser. He stirred it up. And as you know and I know, that's bad anywhere and everywhere you go, isn't it? Isn't that fun to have somebody in your family who's got a hurtful, malicious mouth? It's great at work too, isn't it? It's great to live in a neighborhood or a community especially a smaller community with people like that. God forbid Diotrephes was a church leader. We know it's terrible in church. You know, when you, when you and I aren't careful with our tongues, we say things, and the bad thing is, is you don't, you don't have control on where it goes after it leaves your yap. You know that? I, I want to read to you a true story about the, the group Mythbusters. How many of you ever watched that TV show? I don't know if it's on anymore, Mythbusters. 
But several years ago, they, they were in Dublin, California, and they were going to fire a cannonball, I don't know if any of y'all saw this, into a large water container at a bomb disposal unit. That sounds safe enough, doesn't it? So they, but they seriously underestimated the power of the cannonball. They fired the cannonball. The cantaloupe-sized cannonball missed the water. It tears through a cinder block wall, skipping a nice, safe bomb disposal place, wasn't it? Uh, skipping off a hillside, it flew 700 yards to the east. The cannonball bounced in the front door of a home, ripping through the door, raced up the stairs, blasted through a bedroom, exited leaving a perfectly round hole in the stucco, crossed six lane, a six-lane road after that, took off several tires of a roof, and then it finally slammed into a Toyota minivan, and the police and the Mythbusters were like, we had no idea that thing could do what it did. Well, you sure didn't, did you? You know, that's the same way gossip is, though, isn't it? You say something, you cast just a little bit of doubt on someone's character, their integrity, who they are, and, man, you've ripped a hole that that it cannot be easily patched. There was a Jewish rabbi who wrote a book titled hurt, Words That Hurt and Words That Heal. Here's an experiment for us. He said, see if you can go 24 hours without saying something critical and harmful about someone else. 24 hours. And he said, if you cannot get to see a counselor because you've got a problem. He said, we would say this easily. If a person couldn't go 24 hours without a drink of alcohol, they, were, they have an alcohol problem, Correct. A person can't go 24 hours without a dip or chew or smoke. They've got a tobacco problem. Am I correct? And the, the rabbi said, if you can't go 24 hours without slandering or gossiping, you've got a mouth problem. Again, we're talking about them tonight, not you. Troubling behavior it almost always consists of someone who uses their mouth to hurt people. Here's the third thing. They are divisive. When a person has to be the center of attention, when a person's got a harmful mouth, they're going to be divisive. It's just, I mean, that's almost a given. In verse 10, so if I come, I will call attention what he is doing. He's gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He stops those who are wanting to do so and puts them out of the church. This is a guy tearing up the church. He's tearing up his organization. I don't care where you are, church, work, family, anybody that truly divides and hurts people has got serious problems. I know a lot of times it's done in the name of right and honest and all that. Steve Gaines is a pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, and that's where Adrian Rogers was for many years. Many of you know who he was. And Steve Gaines made a great comment about division. He said division, divisiveness, also a lot of times comes because there's different visions. Uh, You have a vision, and they have a division, and you split. And when we get in trouble is, is when God has a vision, and I have a vision, and they're different. God had a vision and Diotrephes had a vision and they were just on different pages. How many of you have ever known someone who is divisive? 
It's troubling, isn't it? And normally it's not, it's not just confined to one area of their life, be it a family, be it work. It, it normally goes everywhere with them. Uh, church-wise, a pastor friend of mine years ago in Texas told me a story about going and pastoring a church and uh, the church, when he had got there, was about ran about 40. And a year later, they were running about 100. God really using him, was blessing him. But about two months before he became the pastor, there had been a, a man and a woman who joined the church. And immediately, they were talented. They were gifted. They got in, and they, they got in leadership positions way too quick. But, you know, you got a little church, and you need somebody to fill a position. You just stick them up there. If there are, you know, a lot of times the requirement is, is there a pulse, and are they breathing? And if they are... Uh, they can sing, sing, put them up here, let them do it. And the pastor told me after multiple conversations, he finally had to set the man down and say, y'all have to go to another church. Y'all, y'all are tearing us up. And the man ducked his head, and he said, everywhere we go, this happens. It was, in this case, it was predominantly the wife who was the issue. And he said, we'll leave, we need to leave. Well, he went home and told his wife that, and she had a different vision. <laughs> and she called the pastor back the next day, and she, her words were this, we're not going, and if we have to tear that church apart to let people know that we're right, we'll do it. How many of you would agree that's like a gigantic red flag right there? That's exactly what they'd done to the little church before they came to this church. Thank God that church had strong pastor, it had strong male leadership and strong good people in the church. And they, God won there. A lot of times God doesn't win in those situations, but God did. In your own heart, do you have a divisiveness? If so, don't blame God for that. When you see that in other people, love them, but be leery of it and be aware of it because that's a problem. Here's the fourth thing, and these, again, all go together. They have to be in control. They have to be in control. Verse 10, I will call attention to what he is doing. Not satisfied. He refuses to welcome the brothers. He stopped those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Uh, similar to number one, center of attention, but to me, this is taking it a step farther. A person can want to be the center of attention and just be a spotlight hog. But when a person has to control things, it's when you need to be on your guard. What's your need for control? You have to be large and in charge. (laughs) Diotrephes had to be. Is it my way or the highway? Or my way or there'll be heck to pay? (laughs) You know people like that, haven't you? You know, I think everybody ought to to get in the church uh, with your family, your community, your school, your place of work where you can really say, this is mine. It's my university. It's my church. It's my family. But, you know, you have to hold that loosely, don't you? Because all of it's God's before it's yours. See, here's where we get in trouble when we say, it's mine. It's ultimately God's, isn't it? I think Diotrephes had lost that lesson at some place, that it ultimately wasn't his, that it was God. 
And never forget, there's a huge difference in being a leader and wanting to control things. As I prepared this week, I thought about people in my life in the past, some people that I love dearly, family members and friends in other places who, who um, like to be in control. If you're going to go out and eat, they were going to tell you where to eat and what to order and what we were going to do after supper. You know someone like that? Now, my family's just the opposite. We'll argue for 30 minutes about where we want to go. I love this, don't you? I don't care where we go. Well, let's go there. No, I don't want to go there. I thought you just said... Yeah. And weirdly, all my friends are like that, too. I don't care. Let's go anywhere you want to go. Let's go here. No, I ate there yesterday. Then, then just be quiet. Let me control it. We'll go to El Toro or whatever. There's a huge difference in having to control things and being a leader. Never confuse those two things. A leader is a person who influences. A controlled person is someone who's got to have their way. Big difference. A, a problem characteristic for you or me or when we're dealing with others is that desire to have to be in control. And here's the last characteristic this evening. They reject the authority in their lives. This is a really biggie. They, eject, they reject the authorities in their life. I'm just going to read verse 9 and 10 again. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he's doing. He's gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. The last few weeks we've looked at one of the things that John, God through John, is trying to get them to do is to be hospitable, to welcome people, and, and to, to take in, especially these traveling ministers. And, and, and Diotrephes is just the opposite. When the traveling ministers are come, he won't welcome them. Now, I, I said this a few weeks ago. Zeus, the Greek god, little G-O-D god, was called the god of strangers, the god of hospitality. Diotrephes' name literally means nourished by Zeus. But he may have been nourished by Zeus, but he certainly wasn't hospitable. God, through John, and John is the, certainly the leader in the early church, is telling him and telling them, welcome these people. And he is flatly, blatantly rejecting John's leadership. That's pretty gutsy, isn't it? I mean, James walked with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'd have listened to him. Doesn't mean he was infallible, but I would have listened to him. Diotrephes was a rebel. You know, being a rebel is real cool when you're in second grade. Grow up. Grow up. Why do why you got to fight all the time? Fight everybody. Be difficult to lead. Why, why you, what's the, grow up. Rebel without a cause. James Dean. Okay, whatever. Great leaders are, first of all, what? Great followers. Josh Owens is at West Point. One of the things that West Point says, we're going to make a leader, we're going to make him a follower first. Everybody wants to lead until trouble starts. A rejection of the authorities in your life. Who are the authorities in your life? Well, the police are. You're disrespectful to the police. 
Police are, government officials are. Certainly doesn't mean they're infallible or perfect. And, and there's a line we draw. We don't follow anybody when they get away from Christ in the Bible. Your parents, God forbid I say this, your husbands, your bosses at work, at church, your ministers, our servants and leaders. Somewhere we've missed the lesson that to be rebellious against your leaders, you don't follow them blindly, but to, to be rebellious against your leaders is sinful. And one of the characteristics of a guy who got nothing but bad press in the Bible was he was rebellious against authority. So here's the last thing I want to say. Somebody's got to have the guts to stand up to him. This is tough. In, in verse 10, John says, So I will call attention to what he is doing. You know, I mentioned this earlier. John was called the apostle of love. If you've ever read 1 John and even 2 and 3 John, what you see over and over and over is love people, love people, love people. Isn't it neat that the apostle of love said, I'm an older man, but by goodness, if I can get down there to Pergamum and I can get a hold of diatrophies, I'm going to shake the cobwebs out of his ears. <laughs> I'm going to call attention to what he is doing. Bill Hybels is a pastor in Chicago, Illinois, and Hybels has said repeatedly, a lot of ministers and a lot of Christians are guilty of perpetual niceness. They're cowards. <laughs> they won't ever stand up and speak up when there's something that needs to be stood up to and spoken up to. And there's a right way to do it. Part of the problem is that some of us stand up and we just bulldoze everybody in the process. I want to read to you the wrong way to stand up to people. These are true. <laughs> These are true. One is from the website, The Business Insider. That was The Business Insider put these in their, in their, um, their, on their website. This is two businesses who dealt with, with customers, or people who were trying to get their works published. One is Sub Pop. It's an independent record label in Seattle. Here's the following re rejection letter they sent to someone. This is not how you, by the way, confront people. It began with, Dear Loser. Thank you for sending your demo material to SunPop for consideration. Presently, your demo package is one of a massive quantity of material we receive every day at SubPop World Headquarters. We appreciate your interest and wish you the best in, in your pursuit. In kind, in kind regards, P.S., this letter is known as a rejection letter. If you, if you begin a conversation with someone, dear loser, that's probably incorrect. Here, here's one. Delta Review, a literary magazine in Baton Rouge, listen to what they sent someone who, who sent an article in. Thank you for submitting. Unfortunately, the work you sent is quite terrible. Please forgive the form rejection, but it would take too much of my time to tell you exactly how terrible your submission was. So again, sorry for the form letter. That's not how you do it, okay? How do you, how do you, deal, how do you deal with problem people? I, I think two good words to always remember is kindness and clearness. Kind and clear. We can fall off the horse on either side of that. We can be too kind or we can be too clear. Those letters that were too clear. <laughs> but what you want to do and, and what God needs to do through us is there needs to be people we at work, with your family. See, some of you, you're dreading Christmas and Thanksgiving. 
because you know that person's going to come who always causes problems. Why don't you be the person this year who prayerfully and kindly and clearly tells them, straighten it up. Churches are good places for bullies because most people don't want to confront that. Have the courage to stand up for what's right. Thank God that John did. This is a true story. A.T. Robertson was a, a great Greek scholar many, many, many years ago. And this was in the late 1800s. He wrote an article about Diotrephes for a Baptist newspaper. The editor of the Baptist newspaper, this is before phones and all, wrote Dr. Robertson a letter back, and he said, you would not believe it, 25 people have sent me letters canceling their subscription to our Baptist newspaper because they said your article targeted them <laughs> when you talked about diatrophies. I certainly wasn't targeting you, but I, let's do some honest eval tonight. Is this you? Does it have to be your way? You have to be the center of attention? Is the mouth issues? Divisive? Control? Christian, if it's you or me, let's, let's get this right this evening. Whatever that means, I mean, how, how we repent, where we're standing whether it's at the altar, let's do business with God and let's get this right tonight. Maybe you're here and you'd like to join our fellowship. We would love for you to. And One way you can do that when we stand is you can come and, and join us. Or maybe you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Christ. You know, that the sad thing is, is Diotrephes may not have been a Christian. I hope he got his together and I hope he's in heaven someday. But if you don't know Christ, when we stand, you come and give your life to him. Let's stand now and you respond as we sing.